Hey, what's going on? So, welcome to This Week in Games, a podcast series from the fine people at Deconstructor of Fun. Your hosts today are Mr. Joseph Kim, my friend and a seasoned games executive, as well as Mr. Eric Kress. Let's call him a corporate strategy MVP. Now, before I let these two fine gentlemen discuss today's topic, which are Jam City announcing $145 million in strategic finance, Epic Games Store planned for launch on Android this year, and why Activision and EA have dropped over 40%. Before we, before these gentlemen tackle these three topics, I have a couple of things. Number one, our friends at Game Refinery, a really cool qualitative and actually quantitative this day service for, for understanding the market. Anyway, Game Refinery is looking for a VP of business development here in Helsinki, Finland. The company has grown rapidly and they're looking for a person to lead sales operations of Game Refinery. You'll find the link to that job description in the description of this episode, or you can just head out to gamerefinery.com, check out their service if you haven't, it's really amazing. And of course, check out the uh, the job. And number two is I'm, I'm not actually participating in this episode. As most of you know, Deconstructor of Fun is something that that I've, you know, I've been doing for almost seven years, and it's actually not my job. Uh, my job is running a game studio and sometimes that job takes all the free time. So this time around, you know, it was a busy couple of weeks. Couldn't record this podcast, but luckily, um, sorry, Chris and Mr. Joseph Kim were able to, to, to backfill me. So thanks, thanks for those two fine gentlemen. Anyway, please do rate, rate this podcast. Please do subscribe. Please do leave a comment on Twitter or LinkedIn, and, and please do tune in in following weeks. And most importantly, please do enjoy. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Twig 20. Unfortunately, uh, on this podcast, we actually won't have Mishka on with us, but we have uh, Eric Kress with us uh, again. Hey, Eric, how's it going? All's good. How are you doing? Uh, doing all right. And unfortunately, uh, with Mishka, I, I know he's been busy at uh, Pocket Gamer Connects and um, definitely been busy writing up all of the 2019 predictions. So if, if any of you guys out there have not gone to Deconstructor of Fun and read the, the predictions, um, the predictions posts, those, those have actually been quite excellent and, and definitely people have been sharing them at, at my office. So definitely check those out. But uh, just just uh, just jumping in, why don't we go ahead and, and hit the, uh, the articles that we're going to cover. Eric, I think we're starting with uh, Jam City. Yeah. So, um, you know, following up on our conversation about Jam City, uh, couple podcasts ago they announced 145 million dollar strategic finance you know weeks after the layoffs that we discussed and this is kind of the same thing that we we're talking about um it just doesn't seem like the conditions in the market uh, uh are going to lead them to in a spot to go public you know the big tech correction in in the in q4 of last year plus you know their whole profile it just wasn't right you know they had a really good run you know they had some great games um, but recently Harry Potter has seen, you know, significant declines. And according to sensor tower, you know, Q3 was down 25%, Q4 was down 10%. And then, 
that they're likely to be down 10% year on year in Q1 of 19. So overall, it just didn't seem like a great spot for them to go public. I mean, it's just a really tough time to get in the market anyway. Uh, and they just are not a good IPO candidate at this point. So hopefully this $145 million gives them the resources to help right the ship and uh, get another shot at the market when you know the public markets are more favorable for them. Right, I definitely agree with you. It's it's kind of a disappointment actually that they weren't able to to you know to IPO. It, I think it would have been great for you know for the for the overall industry and the market. Um, but one of the things that was a little bit, at least for me, a little bit disappointing was just just how slowly they they moved in in terms of like you know with the layoffs and restructuring. It, it seems like they could have been a little bit more proactive on that front. Um, but definitely glad to, to, to see that they've, they've actually raised a fairly sizable amount of cash. And, um, as, as we've, you know, talked about on previous podcasts, I, I think that, you know, this will give them some, some bullets to, to continue sort of down the M&A path as we've seen with, um, when, when they acquired the Disney Emoji Blitz team. And as we predicted last year, I'm going to continue with, uh, the, the prediction that they will, they will actually be the ones that take out the Marvel Strike Force team, and so I, I fully expect them to acquire the game and, and and the team that's that's working on that game. All right, I'll, I know quite a, <laughs> quite a few people that are on that team. Yeah, well, I, yeah, you just uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, who, who knows? Maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe Scopely comes in, but uh, yeah, that 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 that'll be my prediction for for twenty nineteen. Um, moving on to the next article, and this is uh, this is basically uh, an article from GamesIndustry.biz, and it talks about how the Epic Game Store planned for launch on Android this year. And so, so basically, this article is, is talking about how Tim Sweeney, in his um, December of last year's Game Inform- Informer interview, spoke about not only how the Epic Games Store will launch on PC, but that they would also launch on Android sometime in 2019. Uh, he also clarified that this would be Android only, as at least on the iOS side, there's, there's a conflict with Apple policy. So we've talked about you know, the Epic Games Store launch here on Twig on past podcasts, and I, th- I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, but that we've generally believe been pretty optimistic in terms of Epic's shot at this. And I, I think that, um, you know, we can, you know, we, 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 we can believe that um, with the announcement of uh, by, by Ubisoft that um, the Division 2 will be uh, kind of, um, I, I, don't, I, want, I don't want to say exclusive, but will forego Steam in favor of, of Epic Games that, that, their chances are, are only going to become stronger. And so, yeah, uh, certainly on, on the PC side, things are looking good. And, um, you know, on, on the on the face of it, I, I think for a lot of us here in the Western markets, I, I think it is kind of hard to believe that there could be an alternative store on Android. But, you know, clearly if, if we look at other markets like the China market, we can see just how real and possible it is to have uh, fragmented marketplaces. As we see in China, there are certainly a lot of alternative app stores there. Um, but, you know, my, my take on this is that ultimately, you know, publish care about distribution. So even with the better margins on, you know, on the Epic Game Store, and so let, let's say that, you know, Epic will only take 12% relative to 30% by Google Play. 
you know, I do still think that not everyone has a Fortnite on their hands where people are, you know, where the, the users and the players are going to do whatever it takes to get that game. And so it, I do think it'll, it'll still be very difficult for them to get, you know, critical mass for their, for their app store. So, you know, uh, my general take is that while they actually do have a really good chance of uh, taking quite a bit of share on the PC side, on the mobile Android side, I, you know, I do think they still have a ways to go and face a much more difficult challenge to gain traction. But uh, we'll see how it, how it goes. Eric, what do you think? I mean, it seems clearly like kind of obvious next step for them from a, a strategy perspective. I'm still concerned about their ability to execute against all these different fronts. There's clearly still a lot of work to do on the on the PC experience. Um, so, what would be really cool is if they build a store with you know by genre and get rid of all the junk and just got put the AAA mobile games on there. I mean, cur- you know, curation, created experience. You know, discovery is kind of getting more and more painful on on Google and Apple. But the the problem fundamental problem here is I don't know how the how they really can compete against Google. I mean, Google still has a ton of clout, right? And so I have friends at Google that when uh, Fortnite decided to go off their store, I mean, heads were going to roll. You know, they're freaking out, right? You know, that this is a trend that cannot continue. And so I don't know what their response is going to be, frankly, but I mean, they're going to respond. And what could they could do is say, hey, if you go on this store, your app is not welcome on, on Google store. And that would just destroy... The chances of success, you know, for these games. Um, PC is a different story, but mobile, like you need that distribution. You need that, that, that site, you know, they're not, not, yeah, not everything has the visibility of Fortnite. Um, So I guess that would be my concern is what, what's Google's response um, to something like that, uh, to the publisher that decides to go with, um, with, uh, with Epic. Right. Yeah, um, I, do, I do think that like the, the friction certainly is a little bit higher, right? Like um, getting uh, Epic Game Store on, on PC is, is pretty easy, but, you know, on, on mobile, I, I, I think it, it's certainly harder. So at least that, that friction is a little bit higher there as well. In, in addition to, you know, Google's responses, you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. I will admit, though, Division 2 was a good get for uh, Epic. I mean, that's, a, that's a, a really, really kind of a big PC game. Um, I think they likely will follow up with the rest of Ubisoft's unannounced lineup. Um, there's a f- two or three other AAAs that they're coming out with this year. And then I would assume that t- titles like maybe like Cyberpunk will actually make a move as well. Um, but I, I have no visibility into that at all. But, um, you know, some of these bigger PC games for the rest of the year, I think, you know, why not? Right. Um, you know, it's just it just makes sense uh, given the given the margin. Um, and you know, let's steam kind of die <laughs> or ultimately lose share, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Steam's definitely not looking too hot these days, but, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Okay. And, uh, moving quickly on to the last article, Eric. All right. Well, the article was basically why Activision and EA have dropped over 40% in the last six months. Um, so for, for those guys out there that don't know what I do, but this is exactly what I do. So I'm an analyst and I cover video games for investors uh, primarily, um, as well as consult for some other companies. But I basically track trends, products, you know, pipeline, uh, you, know, you know, macro trends and, you know, 
individual title trends, that sort of thing, to help investors get kind of smart on on where these companies are headed. So this is my in my wheelhouse. <laughs> um, so the real question about why these stocks have dropped, there's a couple of things. There's, there's the macro reasons, and then there's also like this individual company reasons, right? You know, the macro macro reasons is that we had a huge tech correction in the Q4. Um, basically, all tech companies were 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 hurt uh, at the end of the year. Um, although we're starting to see these macro concerns kind of become less of a problem and stocks are starting to come back. But the other macro reasons were risk of transition. So, you know, they the fundamental thesis this, this cycle has been that microtransactions would help mitigate risks of transition to new hardware. But now that new hardware is starting to come up um, and get potentially get announced as soon as this year, or probably next year though, um, there's some issues, right? They're kind of worried. And so this year we saw FIFA and Madden kind of having disappointing results, which are kind of bellwethers for transition issues because they're you know, yearly releases. And Black Ops actually didn't look very good or it kind of didn't hit expectations as well. So some of the folks are kind of worried that maybe this microtransaction move from the publishers is not going to help them, you know, where, you know, um, get through this transition un, un, you know, undamaged, I suppose. Um, and, and the other thing is that like calendar 19, if you look ahead, it just doesn't seem like it's as big of a lineup. There's nothing that's going to comp Red Dead. There's nothing that's going to comp Spider-Man and there's and um, God of War. There are some games on the horizon that could do it, but there is just risk and i think that mo most likely the market will be down um in 19 both on hardware and software so and this is what transition is it, it's like transition is basically the time in which people are waiting for the new gen next gen consoles and developers are making games for the next gen consoles and in this time there's just not as many big releases like red dead or you know these other games so so anyway i think that was a big concern from a macro perspective is that that perhaps you know, the transition would hit them and they would start to see volume decreases in some of their core franchises like Call of Duty, FIFA, Madden, et cetera. Um, any questions on that so far? Uh, no, I, I, well, actually, so given that it's going to be a down year, do you, do you think it's a, a, a really good opportunity for a CD project? Yeah, you know, CD project, I'm trying to get an edge on whether or not that game is going to make it this year. It really seemed far along um, at E3 last year. And I think expectations is that it will come out. But yeah, I think that game is going to be big. Um, I think that game is kind of built for console. I'm sorry, for PC. Right. Um, and, you know, they're primarily a PC developer. They've yeah. built games on console, but it, they've never really performed all that well on console. So I, I would imagine that's going to be a similar concern. But it's going to be a big game and it's going to be, you know, so far the press is just loving it. Um, but although we haven't seen much else since E3, so we, you know, we haven't got much feedback on it in, in the last like year or six months, I mean, so we'll see, but that will be right. a big game. Right. And one other question is like, I, I know we've talked on previous po podcasts about, uh, call of duty and, um, blackout. Um, I haven't looked at any recent numbers, but are, are you up to date in terms of like how blackout is doing? Yeah, I'm going to get to that in a minute. Um, okay. So first I said, you know, the, the, there's macro reasons why these stocks took a hit, but there's also actually company reasons. You know, EA was a disaster this year. I mean, they basically guided down twice their, their you know, consensus revenue and earnings. And I think they're going to actually miss 
holiday quarter and died down again because Battlefield was a train wreck. Um, you know, their original expectation was them to grow the franchise, which would imply a 14 to 16 million units number, right? Which we, you know, flat to up 10% from last iteration. I think they brought that down to 12 million because they moved it from October to November. And I think ultimately they sold through, God, 7 million, maybe, you know, so they're wow. really down on Battlefield. It is bad, Ouch. bad news bears. And there's nothing wrong with the game per se. It's just the wrong game at the wrong time, right? So they, they basically created a World War II shooter when we just had a Call of Duty World War II shooter. And they're competing against Black Ops, which is the biggest Call of Duty, you know, out, you know, in in the, for the three studios. So it was just a bad, bad timing. There's nothing they could do. Um, but the but the fundamental thing that was scary is that the sports didn't grow enough to offset this weakness, you know. And Anthem kind of remains a hope for them in Q4, but so far the demand looks relatively moderate, you know, and and not not enough to offset the weakness on on Battlefield. So. Fundamentally, my problem with EA generally is they misman- have mismanaged their games franchises for the last four or five years, right? Titanfall 2, Battlefront 2, Mass Effect Andromeda, and now likely Anthem and, and this Battlefield game. All games that are of relatively high quality, they just blew it in terms of launching, marketing issues, quality issues, etc. So, you know, but every single time... Uh, FIFA is growing like 20 to 30% every year uh, and Ultimate Team, as well as Packaged Goods, which has basically been hiding the fact that these guys are blowing it for every launch on their game side. And then on top of that, you get mis-execution on the, on the Star Wars license. You know, they really have not executed at all on the Star Wars license without, with the exception of the two um, Star Wars Battlefront games, one of which did reasonably well, but the second one obviously had all its issues. Um, and then you look at the studio closures. So part of the story around EA is that John Riccatello and Frank Chabot basically created um, kind of the software as a service strategy. And now don't get me wrong. These guys spent their ways into oblivion, right? They bought so many companies and, and spent a lot of money to get there. And then Blake, who's the CFO, comes in and basically cuts all these spending, you know, besides the core stuff. And at the end of the day, they just don't have as much resources to make games, right? They've closed tons of studios, you know, Redwood Shores, Montreal, you know, Toronto is all but shut down as far as I understand. BioWare is falling apart um, because of, you know, because of, I think, a lot of mismanagement. And now DICE is getting decimated. You know, they're the old leader um, who was kind of pushed out of the company uh, is kind of, you know, set up shop right next door and is pulling people away from uh, from DICE. So that's a little bit scary as well. So in in some ways, Blake did an amazing job of reducing costs and, and streamlining. They they basically went from making like 36 games down to making six, you know, we, 36 games with like 120 SKUs down to like six games with like 18 SKUs, you know? And so, so he did a remarkable job on that. He cut a lot of costs on, on the, on the, on the marketing side, et cetera. But they didn't really like set up themselves for investment for, for the future. Right. And so I think this is the challenge that they're having and people are starting to see this kind of um, play out right now. And going forward, um, you know, Blake and the CEO are basically talking subscription, subscription, subscription. And I think this could really backfire on them because I, I am a dubious, I mean, I'm doubtful at best about whether these subscription services are going to really take off um, and it won't be harmful to their, you know, P&L ultimately with cannibalization, et cetera. That's for another discussion. 
But now, having said all that, I'm actually relatively bullish on EA's prospects for 19, right? Because they actually do have two AAA games that are coming and also likely a need for speed. Um, and without any other big releases coming out, <clears throat> EA should do better, right? So despite you know having a really tough time this year, I think next year they likely will have a much better year. Um, but <clears throat> they need to get their studio org together, right? They need to figure out how to continue to innovate and create new IP and, and build that capability um, and figure out how to get some goddamn Star Wars games out. You know, this is ridiculous. Like right. <laughs> they've canceled, uh, well, basically they've canceled two projects on the Star Wars side and, and one other one that hasn't wasn't announced. So all they really have is the games coming from Respawn, which by the way, it looks amazing. Part of the reason I'm so bullish on 19 is because this Respawn uh, Star Wars game is going to be awesome. Um, and, just the just the right thing at the right time for the market, I think. Um, so I think that game will be huge. Right. And, you know, there was a fair chunk of the article talking about the impact of Fortnite on, you know, EA and Activision. And, uh, you know, especially that, that point about how Netflix now considers Fortnite as their biggest competitive threat relative to Hulu and Amazon Prime. But with respect to the EA decline, how much would you actually attribute to Fortnite? Well, Fortnite definitely had an impact on the margin. You know, I, I believe that the mass market games like FIFA and Call of Duty, Madden, all were somewhat impacted by it. You know, I, they performed, they would have performed better without Fortnite in the market. However, <laughs> I don't think it was as severe as some people kind of think. I think fundamentally, they, they, it's a different demographic. It's much younger. Um, and the games like Red Dead and NBA 2K just crushed it. Right. I'm mean, just destroyed it. You know, and NBA 2K was up like 30 or 40 percent on MTX. And that that's where they should get hurt, you know. Um, right. Uh, but Fortnite does have an impact. And but in some sense, it actually is, could be positive for the long term because it brought a ton of people into the into the ecosystem. If you look at the hardware sales for holiday for PS4 and Xbox, for that matter, they were super strong for this time in the cycle. Right. And right. these weren't necessarily upgrades. These were, you know, budget $200 type devices. Um, and I think it's, it's basically people saying, Hey, this mobile experience sucks. You know, I'm going to go buy a console, right? Because that's a much better experience. So, you know, if you bring that audience in, then they are likely to ultimately buy other things. Although maybe they'll just keep playing Fortnite forever and ever. I don't know. But, um, but I think it's actually kind of a positive for the overall market, uh, to bring more and more of the younger people in. Right. And do you think that EA will actually respond from like a free to play perspective given Fortnite or, or do you think they continue to go more, you know, the traditional sort of sort of, uh, you know, units sold paid route? Um, well, ironically, they they basically announced that they were going to do um, a Battle Royale game for Battlefield, but they said they're not going to release it until April, which okay. <laughs> it's just that's that is so stupid, right? If you have your entire audience that you're they're selling to come into the game in October, you can't wait to have a you know such a key feature until April. That's just total misexecution, you know, fundamentally, right? Um, and I think they will start to try to do more and more on on the free to play side. They may have a project that that's in the works in the next you know three or four months that 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 we'll see. I just don't know if there's a lot of room for that anymore. Um, and when we, when we talk about Activision, um, you know, we'll talk about how blackouts doing, but, um, you know, that market is, I think it's gonna be tough to compete, uh, Got against it. Fortnite. 
and, and yeah, PUBG. Yeah, one more question for me. Like you mentioned Anthem and how you felt like, you know, demand is this sort of moderate. So for me personally, you know, and I, I don't have a lot of insight, but just watching the trailers, it, it sort of looked like someone who just kind of mixed Halo and Destiny and just sort of like <laughs> mixed them up. But, you know, and, and, and then like I, I was like just, just for work, I, I visited this marketing agency last week who and, and they were the agency that worked on the Division 2 trailer. And when I saw that trailer, it was just like, wow, you know, I was like, man, when, when, when can I buy this game? So um, definitely felt like, yeah, at least from my perspective, you know, just kind of comparing those two games that Anthem definitely felt a lot weaker relative to Division 2, at least from like, you know, the perspective of, you know, sort of strange attractor or, or like, you know, having that that kind of, you know, key interest or draw. Yeah, Uh <laughs> I, uh, the feedback on Anthem is just mixed at best, right? Um, if you look at, if you look at the coverage that's come out, there was an alpha, but it was, it was, it was NDA. So, um, but the coverage afterwards in which they're showing gameplay and how the, how the game's progression works and et cetera, et cetera, all the, all the features now back, back, back story though. I am a huge fan of this genre. Like I, I gobble up these games, you know, division destiny, Wow, World of Warcraft, etc. So I'm excited for the idea of this game. The problem is the execution seems very, very risky, right? Where it's it's all instance based. There's not like this open world that you get in Destiny or even Division, for that matter, where you could kind of wander around. It's yeah. it doesn't seem fully baked. Now, visually, it's absolutely gorgeous, right? It's a beautiful game, but mm-hmm. the fundamental problem with this game is going to be two things. One is I don't think it's been fully baked in terms of how you actually engage and, and explore the world. And two, I think the um, the progression systems are probably going to be all out of whack in general um, in terms of, because uh, I think they're rushing through this. And, and actually the third thing is, I don't, it, I'm questioning whether they're actually going to pull off the, the, what they're really known for is the story stuff. Um, but they, they claim that they're going to be able to do that. So I'm going to give them that one. And then, the, oh, the final thing is the shooting, right? So the, Bioware is not known for its shooting. The one thing about Destiny that no one can disagree with is that the shooting is absolutely amazing in, in Destiny. Okay. Um, n- maybe not so much on Division. It's just kind of, it takes a while to get used to, but Anthem is just going to be, is terrible. Like, it's just going to be terrible. Just like all Bioware games, you know, Mass Effect. <laughs> you just forgive them because the story and the visuals are so amazing right. and, 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 yeah. and, and everything else around the, the wrapper is so awesome. So I think this is game is going to be a little bit divisive, but because it's Bioware, they're going to get a lot of people to try it. I'm going to be there day one. I've already pre-ordered it. So, um, so we'll see. But, you know, if you think of it from the perspective of like a unit number, I would say, you know, if it does like five to six million, I think that's going to be uh, really good. But and that's for like the first six months. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now with Anthem. And 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 to put it in perspective, like when you look at the Q the basically the March quarters releases you have like from the best to least is like division two resident evil Two, kingdom hearts. And then Anthem is kind of on the, on the end of that list, according to my contacts. So, um, so, you know, there's some big games coming out and I'm super excited about division two. So, okay. Um, all right, moving on to Activision. So Activision's story is quite a bit different than EA, although they 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 share the one the similar thing. It's like 
they basically have cut to the bone. You know, Bobby is a is a really amazing operator, and he has basically cut every single studio down to basically he has three studios. He has three studios that all they do is make Call of Duty, right? And they have some casual stuff they do on the side, right? But from a core Activision studio perspective, it's basically the three guys that make Call of Duty. Um, and so basically what's happened is that Destiny and Overwatch have not become this big contributor to the software as a service for them. And so they're other two pillars of uh, of software as a service are basically gone. You know, Destiny is now no longer with Activision and Overwatch is kind of just a shell of what it used to be. Although they're hoping to, you know, build it out this year with a free-to-play version probably and some additional support. So the problem is all they have left is Blizzard, right? And and to make new IP. And so now they're putting a lot of pressure on Blizzard to be non-Blizzard, right? To create games on a yearly cadence that have tons of microtransactions that continually make them money. And that's kind of the, against the whole DNA of Blizzard to begin with, right? And so for me, the reason the stock has gotten hurt so much is because, first of all, Black Ops was disappointing relative to expectations. Second, all this Blizzard nonsense about, you know, Morheim leaving and, and people leaving, you know, regularly anyway, um, you know, big development. The entire team that made Hearthstone left, like in one fell swoop, right? And now created their own firm that's got investments from other other uh publishers um so there just seems to be a lot more risk to their long-term uh portfolio and i think part of what i made part, part of the argument i would make is that activists spend a lot of time investing in things like esports right which i don't think is paying off the way they expected either um rather than actually building up teams to make new ip you know make make you know make more bets and right. so at the end of the day, I have a lot of faith in Bobby. He's a great, as I said, he's a great operator. And so when they were in the same situation a few years ago, they acquired King. And King's been a phenomenal acquisition for them from a from a profitability perspective. Um, and perhaps that's how they're going to figure out a way out of this. But for me, Activision seems a little bit risky. And I think if they keep managing Blizzard the way they are, I think there's a lot of risk, uh, execution risk at Blizzard going forward as well. Um, so that's kind of it in a nutshell. That makes sense. Got it. Yeah. It seems like Activision, like EA's is a company that's, you know, kind of feeling the, the heat and the impact from, from Fortnite. And, you know, you mentioned that you, you feel like there's going to be a free to play version of Overwatch. How, how does that, how do you think that actually happens? Like what happens to the people who, who paid for it? <laughs> yeah. No, um, I, I don't think, I don't think. I, I think once you lose players the way they have in that game, I don't think a free-to-play version is going to help. I mean, it, it may bump them up for a few months or something, but I don't think it's going to have a meaningful impact. And and what I, what I should have been clear earlier is that when I said there's no impact on Fortnite, I should have said very specifically that Overwatch got destroyed by Fortnite, right? So it's like, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, and Minecraft has probably had some impact, um, you know, but 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 yeah, Overwatch was certainly impacted by by by. Fortnite. What I'm more con- was my more concern is basically you know traditional console releases like Call of Duty and FIFA and stuff didn't have as much impact as I think people expected. Right, and and do you think that Activision, given Fortnite, is is going to be focusing more on the free to play model? Yes and no. Um, they know their their bread and butter is uh, Call of Duty. You know, packaged goods. Um, right. Now, blackout mode so far has been kind of a train wreck. 
um, they released very incomplete version of Blackout and then I think released a patch sometime mid-December. Um, and so far, my understanding is that uh, the microtransactions have been relatively weak uh, relative to last year even. Um, so I think there's some risk there as well uh, for them because I think expectations are pretty high on what Blackout mode can do for Call of Duty. I just don't think it's a popular mode, <laughs> fundamentally. You know, they, they they moved to this this Fortnite model because it seemed to be working for Fortnite. But Fortnite's a different game with a different type of audience. You know, and and the, the type of things that you're buying on the Fortnite are far more compelling than what you can buy on 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 Blackout, in my opinion. And I think the opinion of the user base it's just not the same audience. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of risk. Yeah, I mean, to your point, it certainly seems like Call of Duty is so much more serious, right? And like, you know, when it's not like you're going to be buying, you know, um, like weird dances and stuff, uh, like the floss or, or anything, but, um, uh, there, but, uh, anyway, uh, so I, I guess final question for me in, in terms of like, just, just looking at 2019 and, you know, I was kind of surprised to be hearing a lot of noise around cyberpunk 2077. And so if assuming they do launch, just and assuming that, you know, the console version, does you know it is sort of performant and 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 uh you know and and is well executed what what do you think actually ultimately you know sort of performs better call of uh call of duty or, or cyberpunk well i fundamentally call of duty is probably going to do better it is it is kind of the infinity ward b team you know modern warfare and the rumor is that they're just basically remastering modern warfare 2 so it's not going to be as big as blackout sorry black ops this year or last year so um, cyberpunk will do well. The fundamental problem with cyberpunk and CD project in general is that they're a PC development house primarily and their console yeah. ports have or ports, their console versions have not always been so good. And yeah. so it, it doesn't perform as well. Although the last Witcher was pretty amazing. So I, you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. There's a lot of hype here, but I, I don't think it'll match a call of duty. It, it, call of duty is just too mass market, but it will be a, a you know, be a number two for sure for the year. Um, you know, it'd be, well, or number three, cause FIFA is always up there as well. Um, yeah, I think, um, that, and that's the only game that really can move the needle in my opinion that, that is expected because Bethesda is kind of out for the year. As far as I could tell, I mean, they'll have some doom game that'll do whatever it does, but there's no big, like, um, big game coming from them. Uh, Activision doesn't have anything else. EA, the star Wars action game is going to do well, but it's not the same scale as something like a call of duty. Um, and then, yeah, I don't really see any other big titles coming out. I mean, Ubisoft will have a bunch of smaller stuff, but nothing huge. So. Right. And so it seems like the opportunity is right. Like if, if CD project can get this game out and it's well executed, it seems like perfect timing for them. But uh, yeah. To your no, it would be. Yeah. <laughs> you, totally. We should, I should, we should call them and say, Hey man, <laughs> get this thing out. That's right. Um, I will. I will do one more little quick rant on, um, you know, copying these uh, these models about uh, cosmetic stuff, right? So we see all the success with something like you know GTA Online has been really successful with the cosmetics. We see obviously Fortnite is just destroying it um, with primarily cosmetics. The real risk with this cosmetic model in general is that unless you have a huge audience that continues to play the game, generally cosmetic stuff is, is really hard to monetize. You know, League of Legends has done an exceptional job managing that. 
And so when you have a smaller user base um, and you have like this um, and less retention and less, you know, participation, you're just not going to do as well. And so this is my big thesis on Red Dead this year, right? Is that Red Dead is a phenomenal game. There is no doubt that that is an epic, one of the most epic games of this console generation. Um, and it's sold extremely well. However, the the gameplay for online is not is not going to work, right? The, the, the nature of collection is not that interesting on Red Dead versus something like GTA. And I know people talk about this, but it's it's far more it's far more risky because the investment community believes that they can actually achieve the same kind of level of, of monetization as GTA or get close to it. And I'm saying there's no, no goddamn way, right? Because at the end of the day, when you look at what you're doing in GTA, you're collecting cars, you're collecting motorcycles, you're collecting boats and you're pimping out your crib. But in, in, in Red Dead, you're like collecting saddles and wagons and horses and pimping out your camp, you know, that, that's just not compelling. And without the chase, the, the finding items to chase and to, to, to really aspire to have, people are not going to spend, right? And they may play your game. They may love all the different features and, and, and activities that you're providing. But if there's no chase, there's no reason for them to spend money. And so I think right. people are going to be profoundly disappointed by Take-Two um, this year from that perspective. Um, and I, and and I think they're at risk of, of really kind of missing what they would call recurring revenue numbers uh, for next year. So, or their next. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's a great point, Eric. Just, just, you know, the, the point about, you know, you really have to have the monetization system fit the fiction as, as well as fitting, you know, sort of the, the brand and have, having a brand and IP fit. So, you know, for the same reasons you wouldn't have, um, you know, call of duty characters uh, do the floss, but um Anyway, yeah, a great point. And um, with that, I, I think we're all done. Wow, this is a quick one. <laughs> yeah, quick at quick at thirty five minutes, I guess. But um, yeah, that's it, folks. Thanks very much for listening. And again, if you have not checked out the Deconstructor of Fun predictions posts, please do go check it out. The um, guys over there have been doing excellent write ups, excellent work, and it, it's definitely worthwhile uh, for you to read. So there it is. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you, folks, for listening to this episode. As always, please do leave a comment. Please do send a note. Uh, we, I mean, I personally really enjoy getting getting all the uh, all the messages from you. Um, truly powerful stuff. And please do rate this podcast and subscribe to it, whatever platform you're using. And most importantly, please do keep in mind that all the opinions, literally all the opinions expressed in this podcast, are our own and do not reflect those of our employers. So Joseph Kim works at the NBC universal and I work at the powerful Rovio entertainment and whatever we say is definitely our own opinion. So that's it. Tune in next week. Hope you enjoyed the, uh, this episode and, and the next, next one will be always better. Thanks guys. <laughs>